welcome to the Toxic People Detox, a practical guide for finding peace in the midst of toxic people. It's not about changing them, it's about changing how you respond to them and doing so in a productive, healthy way. Today's guest, I have with me Christina Flack. She is the CEO, a makeup guru, a widow, a substance awareness advocate, a fashion commentator, a mom to four living children and one who died. She lives with these titles, but she's defined by one word, grace. Christina openly shares her story of success and heartache to provide inspiration to others and to save lives through substance awareness advocacy. And Christina, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much for having me. How are you? I am doing amazingly well, despite all all that's going on right now. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah. How are things going on in Los Angeles? I'm actually in San Francisco. I'm in Marin County, right outside of San Francisco on the other side of the Golden Gate Bridge. Um, it's interesting. Uh, it's very different. I was down in San Diego last week, and it's a lot uh, lighter down there than it is up here. It's pretty strict up here. You're not allowed in supermarkets up here, with obviously without a mask, but they're, al- they're actually also having you wash your hands before you go in. So it's um, it's an interesting time, isn't it? Oh, yes, definitely. See, I, I kind of live out in the sticks, so I've avoided a lot of what's going on everywhere else. Oh, well, that's good. I kind of live outside of the city as well. So I'm gl- I'm grateful that I'm able to, you know, go out of my house and be in my garden and go hike. And um, it really does make this time a lot easier that I'm able to do that. Oh, yes. Let's take a couple of steps back. Okay. Right? The we, we talked about a series of tragedies that happened in your life. Yes. Okay. Let's start with the first. I believe that was the death of your mother. Correct. The paint a picture for us. How was your life leading up to that event? Uh, before my mother passed away, I, you know, I was, well, I was eight years old when she got sick with brain cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, my parents, you know, love my sister and I very much. And um, they did their best they could do. And it was difficult. You know, my dad was a school teacher and a principal and, you know, taking care of my mom and my sister and I, 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 I'm sure it was just so overwhelming at times, but they did a great job, I think, and gave us a really happy childhood. I played tennis, um, junior tennis, and I was in 4-H and um, I, I had a very happy childhood considering, you know, that my mother was sick and she, then she died when I was 20. Okay. So something you've been dealing with for most of your, you know, up, up until 20 from like from eight to 20? Yes. Yeah, she had a 1% chance to live one year and she lived 13. Yeah, no, I see. And, you know, anyone who's listened to my podcast, you've all heard me talk about the death of my mother. That happened when I was 25. And I was two years away from getting my doctorate. So, eh. yeah, so a- after that event, how did you handle that? Or so, let me ask this. Some the way that people tried to help you, were there some people you were thinking like, you know, please don't say anything, don't do this, just let me be? Well, I think, you know, everyone, I went to grief camp uh, at Canyon Ranch um, after my husband passed away, which we'll get to later. But, you know, everyone handles grief differently. I think, you know, my mom had been sick for so long and I knew she was suffering. And so it was really hard when she was finally did pass. Mm-hmm. And then I would remember just breaking down in the strangest times. I would hear a song or I'd see a movie and it would remind me of her. And, you know, it, I'm sure you've went through the same thing after your mom passed away. So, you know, that was really hard. And then, but I knew that, you know, it's kind of like, you know, 
at some point in your life, you know that your parents are going to pass away. Mine sadly passed away much younger and sooner than I would have wanted. But, um, but when my son passed away, uh, when I was 40, my son Bo passed away on Christmas Day uh, when he was four and a half months old. That was really incredibly traumatic for me, but also for my entire family and, and my friends. Um, you know, it was a tiny little baby. And then for him to pass away on Christmas Day is just like a lifetime movie that'll never be aired because it's just so traumatic. Um, I went through a very dark phase for mm-hmm. a little bit. For about a month or so, I was taking sleeping pills and I just didn't care about my company or anything other than my children. Uh, my friends had stepped in and just said, okay, it's time that you start living your life like you normally do. Um, you you have to you know, be your highest self for your children and your husband and, and your friends and your company. You just have to. You, know, you can't go through the rest of your life being in this dark place. And I realized that was true. So- I, you know, I got back to hiking and going to yoga and meditating and praying. So when my husband um, got sepsis, you know, he got bronchitis, which turned into pneumonia. Um, I knew that I could not even go down that dark path again. I knew that as soon as he passed, that I had to actually pull on my bootstraps and be more disciplined than normal. Um, I had because I knew that he was my best friend. He was my life. He was my everything. And I knew that if I went down that dark path, I didn't know if I could ever turn it around. So I, I'm not saying that I have not had many, many dark moments and days and time, um, since Mm -hmm. Ken's passed away, but I know I have some tools to handle it a lot better than I had than when I had, well, then when Bo passed away. So I know that I can't get overly tired or overly hungry or overly, you know, not work out or get fresh air. I know that I need to keep my home like really clean and organized and have fresh flowers and fruits and vegetables so I can eat well and my family can eat well. I I just decided, you know, happiness is a choice. Mm-hmm. I decided after my husband passed away from uh you know, sepsis, the sepsis Alliance had contacted me and asked if I would bring awareness, uh, about sepsis. My husband was, um, a professional tennis player named Ken Flack. He won a gold medal with his partner, Rob Seguso in Seoul. Uh, they were number one in the world in the eighties and nineties. They were on the Davis cup team. They'd won Wimbledon, the U S open, the French. Um, so I thought that I could use Ken's name to, first of all, honor him and keep mm-hmm. his name alive, but to, you know, bring awareness to people, you know, about sepsis um, and change in the medical system. We were, our medical uh, carrier was uh, Kaiser Permanente here in California. Their protocol is that you call an advice nurse and then they determine whether a doctor speaks with you or that you come in and see the doctor. My husband had said that, you know, he had a fever, he had infection, he had like orangey mucus in his like lungs and his nose. And, you know, he said he'd never felt worse, felt like he had glass in his chest. He had a fever. Well, the doctor, John Culbertson, who was his doctor decided that he was going to just treat him over the phone with uh, cough medicine with codeine and an inhaler and no antibiotic. The problem with cough medicine with codeine, if you have an infection, your infection will grow at an unstoppable rate. 
um, because your heartbeat, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're not breathing heavily to like get the fluid out of your lungs. So in 12 hours, uh, he became, you know, he had pneumonia, um, and then started spitting up blood. When I rushed him to the Kaiser Permanente hospital in uh, San Rafael, California, he was on life support in two hours. They still didn't give him the proper antibiotic because he became septic. If they had given him, if they, he had been seen the day before or they had given him a cough medicine, I mean, an antibiotic, he, he would have survived, but they didn't. Mm-hmm. And so now I live without the love of my life and my best friend and my children, you know, don't have their dad. And the world lost an extraordinary person and not because of his accomplishments, but because he was funny he was smart, he was thoughtful and kind, and he just, he was such an interesting person. You know, he really had this talent of making you feel like, you know, he could listen when he mm-hmm. would speak to you. He was just amazing. And the world lost that person because Kaiser chose not to see him and not have the right antibiotic um, on hand to treat him. So I've been trying to make change in the medical system at Kaiser and, and also, you know, raise awareness for sepsis with people, uh, people, you can go to sepsis.org to read more about the, um, symptoms of, uh, sepsis. Uh, the, there's a timetable on, uh, the, the website that says time and time means T is for temperature. You could be incredibly hot or you could be incredibly cold. I is for infection. It's in some form in your body, whether it's a tooth infection or a sinus infection or a cut, you have an infection. M is for mental decline. You're kind, it's kind of hard to rouse them. They're not really thinking clearly because it's affecting their brain. Um, and E is for excruciating pain. They feel You feel like you're dying because you are. Sepsis is a blood infection that attacks all your vital organs if it's in your system. So it it's not, you know, most people think, oh, I'll get a good night's sleep and I'll feel better in the morning. Well, that's not the case with sepsis. When you're a septic, uh, you have to get to uh, get tested immediately. There's a 20-minute blood test that they can determine if you, if you are septic. And if you are and they get you on the right antibiotic, you'll absolutely survive. But a quarter of a million people die a year from sepsis. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg survived it. There's many you know, many people that have had sepsis and survived it, but it's not something that you can wait for tomorrow. There, You won't have a tomorrow. It's something you need to deal with immediately. Right. Uh, Christina, you said something I want to uh, go back to that you said if it weren't for Kaiser Permanente, that you, the love of your life, your best friend would still be alive. Correct. Um, and I'm guessing, you know, based on what everything you just said, you've been processing that anger by educating people. Absolutely. I have been, and I, um, I'm also, I have a, uh, malpractice lawsuit going on with them as well, because I don't want anyone else to have this. It's the only way to stop a company like that. Uh, Kaiser Permanente rewards their employees and doctors for not seeing patients. They fit it into their business model that people are going to die. And, you know, I think that's unacceptable. Everyone should be seen. Everyone needs to be treated in person. Doctors cannot be treating patients without seeing them. You know, at least do it on a Zoom call. But you cannot be treating someone. There, you're, you know, a doctor needs to, you know, check your temperature, check, you know, your heartbeat, check your pulse. I mean, there, there's so many factors into doctoring that can't be done over the phone. 
because if there if that if that's the case, there is going to be more loss of life that like Ken losing his life. So I I want there to be change. Absolutely. Mm, that's that's a very powerful story. I mean, I'm just sitting here being captivated. I know by it's it. it's it's a lot. I know, and uh, I. You know, I wish this wasn't my story. I wish that they could bring Ken back. I wish with all my might that um, God would send him back and he'd plop into my house and we forgot this whole thing ever happened. (laughs) I I wish that all the time, but um, unfortunately, that's not the case. Yeah, I feel that like, okay, I, I, I can never see this person again in my life. I can never have my mother again. And just coming to terms with that. It's hard. It's, it's hard. I think, um, you know, I've been speaking so much about sepsis and it's kind of segued now into speaking about, about how I am handling grief. And, you know, after I went to the grief camp and, you know, I learned tools to handle it in a better way. But then I also was thinking, you know, I, I believe in healers and clairvoyance and all this because I just do. And I, I know that Ken is here. I know my son and my mom are here and, everyone else that I know that's passed on and they're up in heaven. But I also feel that if people could think of it this way, that your loved one is looking down on you from heaven. And if they see that you are just in this mode of grief and you're just so sad and depressed that you're paralyzed and not living your life, how hard that would be for them to watch that. You you know, I, I think that I think I know Ken is so happy and proud of me for, you know, trying every day to help others. Um, I started a foundation for Ken and for Bo at uh, the Northern Light School in Oakland, California. And I started a garden with my friend Lisa Zimmer at the uh, Edna McGuire School in Mill Valley. I know that he is very proud of me. I know that he's looking down and, 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 and just, I can just hear him going, Oh, look at Chris Flack. She's on her Russian broomstick and she's, you know, going to make change in the medical system and she's going to kick Kaiser's ass. And I know he's laughing and proud of me. So I, that gives me comfort. Okay. So if you don't mind me asking, how have your children handled that? Uh, it's, it's too sensitive a topic. We don't no, to no, not at all. Um, you know, my kids have, you know, they've each had a very hard time it's, it's very hard for them. Uh, Ken was such a huge presence in their life and they, each of them had such a special relationship with them and they've, you know, they've gone to grief counseling, uh, and they've miraculously handled this situation as well as they can. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with how I'm handling it. Um, I think children, and my kids are older. You know, my daughter Melania is 27. My daughter Rose is 25. Nikolai is 19. And Ben is 13. And I think the best thing that you can do to help them through the grieving process is that they see that I, you know, they see that I cry and that I'm sad, but they also see that I'm, you know, helping, you know, to make the world a better place, that I'm working hard and that I'm eating well and that I'm exercising and that I'm not drinking and doing drugs. And I think, they're handling it as well as they can because I'm handling it as well as I can. And I think it's, um, as parents, the best thing that we can do is lead by example. Hmm. Right. Well, now that we've talked about that, you've established pretty girl makeup. So how do we transition from, (laughs) from the grief and sepsis? Well, um, 
So one of the things that does bring me a lot of joy is my company. I am the creator and founder um, and the CEO of Pretty Girl Makeup. Um, I love being a makeup artist. I love having my makeup line. And we just came out with a hand sanitizer uh, in the last week, actually. I have always, I started my lip gloss company because I couldn't find a lip gloss that would stay on every time I took a sip of water. And, you know, with, with the shut in with, with, um, what's going on right now, I couldn't find any hand sanitizer online or, um, in any store. So I decided to, my manufacturer of my lip gloss came up with a, a hand sanitizer. And so we bottled it and now it's on our website. And I'm really happy that I can be helping in, a, in another way with uh, my company. So we've got this hand sanitizer out. We have it in stock. It ships in one day. And I don't have limits on how many people can buy. You can buy as much or as little as you want. And um, it's my way of giving back and helping. And this is at prettygirlmakeup.com? It is prettygirlmakeup.com. You can find the eight ounce hand sanitizer. It's 65% alcohol um, and it's eight ounces. It's large and it's $14.99. Okay. And since you've been doing this, can you tell me about a success story or someone you've, you've kind of helped, you know, make them look their best and they just feel great? It's interesting. Part of my job as a makeup artist is I have an agent in San Francisco, New York, and Los Angeles, uh, Brandy Moore with Artist Services. And part of my job, besides obviously making them look good for a photo shoot or TV, um, is making them feel good. People are going to photograph so much better if they are in a good, happy place. So I, um, I have to kind of figure out, you know, depending upon, you know, when they get in my chair, I have to read them very quickly whether they want to talk, they want me to talk, or they want silence. Um, sometimes they need a cup of tea. I will use aromatherapy oils to, you know, work into their hands. Uh, you know, I, I want them to feel better when they get out of my chair than when they got into the chair. And um, so I've been really blessed. I've worked with Condoleezza Rice for Time Magazine, Tyler Florence, Bobby Flay, uh, a bunch of different athletes, uh, Metallica, Journey. Uh, Hillary Swank. I, I've been really blessed. Isaiah Washington. I just did a TV show with him. I've been really blessed being able to work with some extraordinary people that are so interesting and nice. And my gift with my job is that I get to have them in my chair all to myself and chat with them one on one that I would normally, you know, not have the opportunity to do in my normal life. So that's one of the blessings of my job. Definitely, I love meeting new people, and it's. Um, it's very exciting and I love it so much. And it, you know, it doesn't get boring because I'm always going to a new place. I, I, you know, if I'm working with Gucci or Louis Vuitton or Mark and Graham or a good writer, it just, um, you know, CNN or whichever network I'm working with, I'm going to a different location. So it's never boring. It's always interesting and fun. And, uh, I, I love, I love, love, love what I do. And I've, I've said to my children, figure out what it is you love doing for work that you would do even if you weren't getting paid and then figure out how to get paid and figure out where you want to live. And I, you know, I will fly down to Cabo, uh, to do, you know, destination weddings or photo shoots. I worked with a, a bathing suit line and, um, I flew down for that. So it's, it's really fun to kind of create the life that you want. And that's the only way you will have a life that you can enjoy, um, is by creating it. It's not going to create itself. You have to kind of make a plan or plan to fail. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. 
you know, it's interesting you talk about this. And I have a student who wants to start her own makeup line. Uh, what would you tell her? Basically what you just said, just start where you went to start? Well, you know, starting a makeup line sounds like a lot of fun. It's an endless supply of money. Um, it's a lot of work. Um, I love what I do, but it's changed so much since I started it in 1999. There were not, there wasn't Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. There were, you know, there were no influencers or beauty, you know, bloggers. It was, it was, you would get the product to a celebrity, a stylist, a publicist, and a beauty editor at a magazine. And so it's really changed a lot. It's incredibly competitive now because there are so many different lines. There's the Kylie Jenners of the world that have come up with a line and in, you know, under two years become a billionaire. And that's, you know, that is not the case with everyone. And um, right. certainly not the case with me. I've worked really, really hard uh, to have my line and it, and I'm certainly not making a billion dollars, but I, I work harder now than I ever had to work at the beginning. Mm, yeah, I can imagine. So Christina, I will give you the last word. Is there anything you would like to share with my audience, uh, you know, some takeaway before we go? Well, I wish everyone um, to wake up every day doing something positive for, you know, the universe that makes them happy and joyful. Um, don't wait to be with people that you love. Do everything that you can to make someone smile and, and to lead by example and, you know, just to be happy and laugh. I think it's important. 